on this episode of the Talent Cast. Uh, we examine the idea those who can do, those who can't teach, but those who teach win. Yeah, more in a minute. Howdy! Welcome to The Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We've instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. James Ellis here. Good morning. Uh, second cup of coffee has already been absorbed and enjoyed. I am fully caffeinated. I hope you're ready for this. Uh, I want to talk about tech recruiting. Why? Because everybody is talking about tech recruiting because, of course, you have to. The geeks shall and have inherited the earth. They are the hardest recruits, the hardest to find, the hardest to source, the hardest to, to attract, the hardest. They know their value. Um, I think I've mentioned Blind before. If you haven't been on the Blind app, go take a look and plug in your company, and you can see some very interesting conversations, mostly around the Silicon Valley, Seattle area, but definitely the tech community, U.S. and to some extent worldwide, um, about how they have in- inherited the earth, how they are in charge, and how their complaints are hilarious because they complain that a starting salary of 130000 is not enough. <laughs> I know, I have the same problem. Yeah, me too. Okay, so yeah, obviously tech recruiting is the thing. All of our lives are running it. There's no such thing as a company that doesn't need some version of IT support, whether it's everything from making sure your phones work and your laptops work to actually developing product and selling and launching and servicing that product. All of it is IT connected, and that is the hardest stuff to recruit. The schools cannot keep up with the demand of pounding out computer science kids um, everybody wants people who have experience. You know, the, the the everybody's favorite cartoon is that programming language has only been out for three years, but the hiring manager is demanding someone with five years of experience in it. The tech recruiting space is insane, and I have some friends out in the valley who will laugh because, honestly, I think they've been nice to me. I think they've been very conservative in their in their complaints to me. I think they are having a hell of a time trying to figure out how to attract and recruit. Now, if you work at Facebook and Google and Apple and Amazon, these conversations probably don't need to happen with you. You have the most insane, powerful uh, consumer brands, you, which of course trickle down to the employer brand, thus meaning you can really hire people. And of course, you have these huge bags of money. And in my mind, they're like cartoon sacks of dollar bills and gold coins with like a, like a dollar sign written on the back like it's a a bank loot kind of thing. This is a Bugs Bunny cartoon. You just throw money at the problem. You need that developer? Throw money at them. You know that you're going to recoup your your investment. You know the value of those people. 
Um, you have infrastructure that says, I don't need 17 people to okay the process of increasing the offer by 3%. You just throw money at the problem. And if it's not straight up money, it's options and stock and bonuses. And yeah, here's a signing bonus. And yeah, here's a, I don't know, here's a, a, a clothing bonus. And here's an, you know, a tech bonus, buy your own computer and whatever you want. You know, there's all sorts of ways to, to cut and slice and dice that monster. Most of us are not those companies, okay? Can we just assume that you're, I'm just going to assume that you are not working for one of those big four companies. Now, that doesn't mean you're not working for some other big, big name tech company like uh, Netflix and Box and Dropbox and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, these, 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 this conversation may actually apply to you. Clearly, the coffee has kicked in. So how the heck do you, in whatever size company you are, whether you're a hospital, whether you're manufacturing, whether you are a service or organization of some sort, how do you compete in a world where Uber and Facebook and, and all these companies can simply throw money at developers, draw them out to the valley, raise the rent up like crazy so it doesn't so $130,000 doesn't actually feel like a lot of money, if you can believe it, and you know, pretty much screw everybody else. You know, <laughs> If you're not in the valley, how do you hire a developer? And if you are in the valley, how do you hire a developer out from one of those big names? It seems like an impossible and daunting task. It isn't. I'm not saying it's easy. Please, when I say, I think the title of this thing is gonna be Tech Recruiting Silver Bullet. Obviously, when I say silver bullet, I mean, no, there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Uh, I'm a big fan of the phrase, um, oh God, I'm gonna blank who it is. It's, it's, it's uh, the guy who wrote the hard, the, uh, the hard thing about hard things. Yeah, he goes, we don't have any silver bullets, but we have a lot of these regular lead bullets. Uh, I'll throw it in the show notes because I can't remember his name exactly. Great art, great book, actually. But the idea being is there is no silver bullet. There is no magic wand. There is no spell you cast to make magically everything better. What you can do is get a little better and work a little harder every single day. What I'm telling you in terms of tech recruiting is not that it's easy, but that if you are playing the game of what everybody else is playing – you're right. You're going to slog through life. It's, you're not going to win the fight. You're going to be making these weird incremental wins that feel exactly like the incremental losses, and it's a zero-sum game out there. You don't feel like you're changing things. You don't feel like you're gaining any ground or any traction, probably because you aren't. But if we start to think about things a little differently, maybe we have some opportunities, something we can do. What in the world am I talking about? Well, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Here's the thing. I want you to go find yourself a geek. And please, the, the word geek is non-pejorative. I love geeks. Some days I consider myself a geek. Once a long time ago, perhaps in the late 90s, early aughts, I considered myself an actual professional geek. I am no longer the case anymore. My HTML coding skills stopped in 2003 or four. I get laughed at now. Um, but you know, there you go. I'm no longer a geek, but I can speak geek and I know geeks, right? Here's the thing, go find yourself a geek. Now, I want you to hypnotize them, right? You have that power. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And I want you to do that thing where you take them back to when they were 12 or 13 years old. And you regress them way back until, you know, right before the pimples came, right before, what, girls, ew, kind of came. Uh, all that stuff, get, get past that. And I want you to think back to the time when they really became a geek because that's, geeks do not, you know, happen. They are formed early, early on. Even now where if you walk down any incubator, these are like the most attractive geeks you've ever seen. I don't remember the geeks being all that attractive. I remember when pocket protectors were not a joke. They were the norm. Um, now it's not. They're wearing bonobos and uh, bonobos or whatever, and they're wearing uh, Supreme hats, and they're pretty 
well-dressed and put together, and these are not the geeks I remember. But anyway, way back when, when they became geeks, what made them become a geek? What made them become a geek is that they liked solving problems. They liked learning things. They liked growing. They had a problem. They wanted to solve the problem. They figured out a way to program their way around it. They had a problem with their computer. They looked online and they read books or they asked people until they figured out how to solve the problem. The best geek is the one who's replaced a video card because the old one died or dropped some extra memory or thought about how to soup up their computer or dropped a light in the case way back when that was a thing. Uh, or one who invented their own app because they were solving their own problem or because they saw someone else invent an app and they said, this is really dumb. Why don't you do it this way? And they went and did it. Those are geeks. Those are the best geeks. Yes, there are other geeks who said, well, computer science clearly is where everybody gets paid, so I'm going to go do the computer science thing. It's better than business school right now, so I'll go do that. Sure, those are the geeks, but no. The real geeks are the ones who want to solve a problem. They're the ones who stayed up late at night, Friday and Saturday night, coding, building, gaming. Mmm, gaming, there's a good one. Uh, writing sometimes, building, whatever they were doing, they were obsessive about that problem. They were obsessive about that thing in front of them, and they worked on it till they figured it out. And that sort of DNA trickles down to when they were in high school, to when they were in college, to when they were, you know, geeks, the kinds that you want to throw a lot of money at, or a good deal of money, <laughs> depending. Hold on, sipping coffee. Mmm. By the way, this batch of coffee is from an AeroPress. I'm not being paid by them, but man, that's a good cup of coffee. Anywho, um, so that's where geeks come from. And I, and I did not tell you that story or make you walk through that process just for the sheer fun of it so I could say geek 4,000 times, but because I want you to think of who your audience is. Remember, marketing and recruiting is sales. Marketing is, recruitment marketing is marketing. Brand is brand, and recruiting is sales. It's, a, it's the same thing you do if you're trying to sell a product. You are selling a job. You are selling an opportunity. You're selling a brand. Same thing. And the best way to be a good marketer is to know your audience. I'm a firm believer that the person who knows their audience the best wins, hands down, every single time. You want to know why Microsoft won the geek game? Because Microsoft, Bill Gates, is the ultimate geek. Let's be fair. He personified geek for so, so long. So he was able to attract other geeks and went, oh, cool, I want to do that. That's the, that's the trick. You know your audience and you win. And the same thing is true for hiring and tech recruiting. The better you know your audience, the more you're going to win. So now we know a little bit more of our audience, what their motivations are. Now, let's be fair. This is a world in which if you know how to code Java or Ruby or C Sharp or C++ or whatever the coding language of the day is, if you know a little about architecture, if you know a little about networking, it's a safe bet that you don't have to worry about being unemployed, right? In the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're way up toward the top. <laughs> your rent is paid, your food is, you know, you're getting food, you're, you're dressed, you probably have a means of transportation to get to and from places. Your biggest worry is not, am I gonna get fired? Am I ever gonna pay my rent? Now, that's not true for every career area. Even professionals, high-level, smart people have gaps, and they take time. And, and, and I know people, and I have been one of those people where it felt like, I thought I was good at this. Why is this taking me forever to find stuff? And you kind of have that freak out and that, that fear, right, the fear of getting fired. Recruiters probably are having the middle of that fear given that the AI conversation is starting to shake the foundation of, of recruiting, and that may be a conversation we have at a later podcast. Geeks don't have that fear. Geeks live in a world that even during the tech bust, they still got paid. 
I knew developers from Yahoo who got fired when Yahoo, when the stock just dropped like a rock in the, in a, in a, in the Mariana Trench. That's a deep lake. That's a deep piece of water. Um, and they found jobs. They found jobs. They paid their rent. They were fine. It wasn't the job they wanted. It wasn't the best paying job. It wasn't the most fun job, but they still got paid. Their hierarchy, hierarchy of needs got met. So thus, geeks don't have the same kind of fear, which means what you offer a salesperson and what you offer a, uh, I don't know, accountant and what you offer a, I don't know, pick a job versus what you offer a geek is different, right? If I'm a recruiter, and I'm not, and so I'm putting myself in your shoes, I know that recruiters are not a dime a dozen. Some are great and some are not great. But the, it's hard always to tell who's great and who's not great, especially in an interview. It's hard to quantify that a great recruiter is a thousand percent better than a mediocre recruiter. And how do you quantify back to the business that a fantastic recruiter, recruiter is worth the premium? It's a hard conversation to have. It takes time. It's a slow slog. A, an amazing developer, you can quantify. You can quantify the kind of innovation and the speed at which they develop and the kinds of products they launch. You can quantify that stuff. They're always in demand. So consequently, geeks don't have to worry about that stuff. So when you're trying to talk to a geek, you have to talk to them in, a me in the manner of, I'm trying to offer you something. This is no longer, hey, I have a job. Isn't that enough? There's a time, and, 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 and you know, I think about... Um, the 80s, and I was alive, though uh, not necessarily all that old, but I know that having read Tom Peters, that there was a time in which, hey, the fact that the company gives you a job is bonus enough. You know? That was the deal. We paid you, you did your work. End of conversation. There was no mention of bonus. There was no mention of ownership. There was no mention of satisfaction. <laughs> satisfaction, that's hilarious. This is the 80s. You come in, you do your job, you go home. Now, of course, this is the 80s at the beginning of the end when the concept of lifetime employment was kind of falling apart here in America uh, as it was about to in Japan and was certainly about to in Europe, um, which was the deal. You know, you just give us your lives and we'll make sure you're okay. And as that contract between the company and the employer fell apart, things got complicated, right? Free agent nations started. You could move around. You were expected to move around. You knew that moving around had a lot of value. You could, you could ask for more money. You could learn new things. You could make a bigger network, et cetera, et cetera. The model, though, of, hey, we're offering you a job. Isn't that enough? Is kind of still in the DNA of recruiting, right? Look, go, go, go look at your average job description. That, that, to me, is kind of so telling. Your average job description says, here's what you're going to do. What they're breaking the transaction down to if I'm giving you a salary and a bonus and whatever a compensation and you're giving me your time what they're breaking down to is a, is a simple transaction it is exactly that a transaction here's what you're going to do and here's what I'm going to pay for you, pay you for now we have that in place because why well because if I'm high being hired at a certain rate I expect to do a certain kind of work. So if I'm being hired at, let's say, $50,000, I'm a youngish, but not young, not entry-level, marketer of some sort, or data analyst of some sort, or salesperson of some sort. I'm not expected to come up with strategy, company-wide enterprise strategies. I'm not expected to communicate to millions of people. That's not a $50,000 job. That's a seventy-five dollars and $100,000 job, right? That's why the pay scale is so interesting. It effectively shows what kind of work you're doing. They're connected. No one expects a garbage man to make $125,000 a year. 
So when the garbage stops, you kind of wonder maybe we should pay them that. But in the end, that's not what that job pays. If you did get a job as a garbage man, they said the starting salary is $125,000. Guess what? You're throwing bodies away for the mob. <laughs> That's not a standard job, right? So job descriptions are very telling. They're explaining it's a transaction. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what we're, and then when the interview will tell you in the offer, here's what we're going to pay you for that thing. It says it's a transaction. The problem with that is we don't live in a transactional world anymore. Not like that anyway, not here's the work you're going to do, here's the time you're going to spend, and here's what you're going to get for your trouble. That's not the work we live in, certainly not the world we live in for geeks. The geeks have all the power. They can work almost wherever they want. If they're any good, they really can work wherever the heck they want. They can work from Idaho remotely at any company in pretty much the world. And you want to know what the property value in Idaho is? Yeah, it's not quite valley. <laughs> What the 130000 that the kid is screaming at in the valley, scraping by, pretty much buys yourself a nice little ranch out in, in Idaho. And they can work remotely, and they can, make, they can make their choices. They can decide, you know what, I'm going to work from midnight to 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. That's my choice. And if you're a good enough programmer, guess what? The answer is okay. So a job description still thinks of the job as a job, a transaction. You do this work, I will pay you for this. But the geek doesn't see it that way. The geek knows there's a job around every corner. The geek knows there's opportunity everywhere they want. So what does the geek want? No, really, I'm asking you, what does the geek want? The geek wants something more. Go back to the DNA. What did the geek spend their time in? What was fulfilling to the geek? The geek was solving problems. The geek was learning things. The geek was growing their expertise. The nice and the most interesting thing about geeks, and like I said, I used to be one of them, is that to some extent, you don't even have to get paid. You don't even care about the money. The money's there. It's, it's, a, it's a means of paying the rent. But the job was fun because you got to do interesting things. I, you know, when in my geek time, I spent my nights and weekends learning higher-level CSS and HTML. Why? Because it was fascinating. Because I could build better things. Because I could build interesting things. Because I could do more of the thing I like to do. Not because anybody paid me. Because I was interested. I learned for free. I learned, I, 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 I gave up my free time to learn these things. Now, I'm going to take a kind of a side road. What? You're kidding. No, really I am. Um, <laughs> I know I'm not drunk. I had a staff recently of 19 uh, millennials, and it was interesting because some people understood the concept that if you want to get ahead, you learn. You learn on your own. You spend your weekends, you spend your nights reading the book, watching the video, testing things out, trying things, and you learn. And I had some who assumed that learning was part of the job, that their 40, 45 hours a week, some of it would be broken away and spent learning, being paid to learn. That's fascinating to me because, man, I wish someone would pay me to learn. You know, you and I both know that if I'm learning, I'm going to get paid on the back end increasing my skills, increasing my experience only increases my value down the road, but they literally wanted me to pay them for the hour or two they spent learning. And I don't understand that because I love to learn on my own. You don't have to pay me to learn. I'm not being paid for this podcast. And frankly, as much as this podcast sounds like me pontificating, what it is is me learning. It's forcing me to learn and push myself in different directions. I don't really want to think about tech recruiting. I don't want to think about some of these things. But by forcing myself to think about it, I force myself to learn. And I'm doing it for free. 
This is my Sunday. Let's be fair. This is Sunday morning. It is 9 a.m. My wife and kid are out walking to the park and are going to pick up some goat cheese at the grocery store. There, that's a, that's a snippet into my life. I would love to be doing that, but I'm doing this because it's fascinating to me. Now, why do I bring that up? If the geek wants to learn, and a geek is motivated by learning things, by opportunities to learn things, by opportunities to grow their skill set, their experience set, okay, and they're not motivated by money, why the hell are we still talking about money? Why is that still the complaint? Oh, we can only offer them 120000 Some other companies offering 130000 Who cares? Does it pay the rent? Yes. Next conversation. This is not part of it. That's a, that's a table stakes thing. I'm not saying you have to pay, you know, if you're trying to hire a geek, you have to hire what everybody else does. I'm saying pay them enough to pay their bills and then have a separate conversation because money does not motivate most geeks, at least the good ones. Yes, like I said, there are the mercenary ones that, you know, only got into computer science because that's where they thought the money was and they weren't wrong. But there you go. And let, let somebody else pay them. You want the real geeks. You want the ones who want to spend Friday and Saturday night coding, building, developing, reading, gaming, pushing themselves, learning something. That's who you want. That's the geek that's going to help you grow. That's the geek who's going to take a challenge on and say, cool, the bigger the challenge, the better. Let's go. Let's figure this out. Not, man, that seems hard. Let's find an easier way to do that. Let's, or just let's not do that. You want the geek who takes on the challenge. Okay, so that's who you want, and that's what they're motivated by. They're motivated by learning, to which I will say, the way you recruit a geek is to teach them something. I'm going to say that again because I think that's kind of a thing. And I'm a big, I've been a believer of this for a while now, um, and I just don't think anybody's listening, and I, I don't understand why. The way to hire a geek is to teach them something. Now, you can take this idea a million different directions, and here's just a couple that I've just thought up in my head because it's Sunday morning, and this is what I do, and the coffee's really good. Delicious, I'm telling you. As you know by now, this is a pitch-free zone. This is all about education. This is all about learning something. This is all about helping each other and taking what we're learning from each other and, and passing it along to the next person. So that means this is free. I mean, in every complete sense of the word, free. What I'm going to ask, though, instead of a credit card number, is that you simply share this and that you review this on iTunes or Google Play. I, that's that's the thing that gets this in front of as many people as possible. I'm doing this because I love doing it, but frankly, the more people listen to it, the more I love doing it. Go to iTunes. It takes a couple of seconds to just simply throw a couple of star review on that one and maybe say something nice or not. Complain. Feel free. I don't care. Uh, but the more reviews we get, the better off the show ends up being. So that's all I'm asking for. Otherwise, uh, have a great rest of the podcast. Here we go back to the, the show. You can go hardcore, and this is the all-in model where you say, okay, we have a development house or we have a couple of coders who build our app or build our website or do the, the thing that we need them to do, and we need more of them. Okay, great. I want you to take those geeks and say, here's the resumes we get for the, your jobs. Not just here are the top ones, but here are most of them. Throw away the junky ones. Throw away the people who can't spell HTML properly and say, okay, here's most of our resumes. These are the people we want to hire, but we can't because they simply can't do the job we want them to do. We think they're the kind of geek who want to learn. We think they're the kind of geek who are motivated, like yourselves, 
but they need something. They need to learn X, Y, and Z. What we'd like you to do is teach them. Take two hours a week, break it off, and come up with a class. Come up with a lesson plan. Come up with a series of exercises. Build it out as a true class where that person, that geek who doesn't know that language or doesn't know that skill or doesn't know that idea and teach them over the course of two or three or six months. Here's a great example. Everybody needs to hire mobile developers. Android developers specifically. Guess what? It's just Java. But knowing Java on a desktop environment is not quite the same as knowing Java in an Android model. You need a little experience in that to be good at that. It's kind of like saying I know how to build a house, but knowing how to build a house in Houston where there are no basements and knowing how to build a house in New Jersey where there are basements and knowing how to build a house in Tokyo or San Francisco where you have to uh, earthquake-proof everything, it's not quite the same. There are extra special elements that make the Java building slightly different. Same thing here. You may know Java, but the different environments may change how you do it. And it's not an easy switch. You can't just say, I'm going to hire a Java developer and, and let them figure out uh, an Android model. You can't. You're going to spend two or three months while they kind of figure it out in the hopes that they do figure it out and you're paying them all the while. However, your current staff should be teaching the world. Why? This sounds like a huge waste of resources, right? Wrong. Here's why. One. Your developers are going to be thrilled at the opportunity to be thought leaders in this space. They're going to be thrilled to say, we know how to make more of these Android developers to extend this, to extend this example. We're going to take people who already know Java and we're going to teach them the 10 things or the 8 things or whatever things they need to know to know how to work within an Android environment. Not from an abstract level, but from professionals who are working inside that Android development environment now. This is teaching them how to grow careers. So that's great. So your, your staff will love this. This will be a lot of fun. Give them some resources. Give them some support. Show if they need to do videos, give them someone who can help them make videos. If they need to write something, give them something who can help write and edit for them and publish it and put it out there. Yeah, I said put it out there publicly. Just push the thing out. Heck, if you want to, make whatever you're doing into a, into a class. There's a million different websites like uh, Udemy and, and, and General Assembly and all these places that offer classes at low, low costs, you know, video classes on geek stuff. Publish your own class. You don't have to make any money off it if you don't want to. Publish it for five bucks. I don't care. Or publish it for 500. If, the, if the, the, the learning is worth it, publish it for what it's worth. The value really is not just in your in-house developers, but in creating a bigger market for your employer brand. You are the kind of company who wants to teach the world this thing. You are the kind of company who cares about learning, who cares about their geeks learning things and growing things. That puts you in a completely different class than 99% of all companies who are looking for geeks. It's not about the big pile of money because we've already learned that that's not what motivates them. It's about what can they learn? What can they do? What can they grow with? How do they grow as a developer, as a person, as a professional? That's what they really want. And here you are offering this class about how to do something more professionally. Two, you're literally going to take the people who applied for Java jobs and tell them, hey, do this, do this, do this, we'll hire you. Take these classes, we'll hire you. This is the step three. Having pushed a Java developer through those steps and through those classes, not only are you teaching them Android development model, you're teaching them how you think about Android. 
They're te you're teaching them how you think so that when you hire them, having taken your classes, they are three steps ahead of the average Android developer because they understand how you think. They've met the developers already because the developers are the ones who are doing the classes. They understand their thought processes. They understand their models. Frankly, they understand how they're saving code, how they're writing code. Is it spaces versus tabs? All that stuff. They feel like they're part of the family. They get it. And not only that, they want to work for you. They don't just, you're not just making developers and they'll say, okay, thanks for, for, for training me. They're going to want to work with you because you are the kind of developer who wants to make more great coders. You're trying something different. You're going beyond the conversation of is it 120 or 130,000 a year. It's about what do you really want to do? What really motivates you? Education of your prospect pool is going to change the game. If Amazon and Google don't get into this game in the next year, I will not eat my hat. I don't have a hat, but I will do something. I mean, they have to be getting in this model. They have to be thinking about they can't just spend their way out of every problem. They want to. That's how they think. They grow by giving. That's how they think, and that's how you need to think. You need to give a class. You need to show that you care. Go beyond that. You don't have to give a whole Udemy or General Assembly class, and I'm picking them at random. There are plenty of other companies that do this. Um, you can do more. You can do something different. It's not just going to conferences. It's not just going to hacker events. Those are nice, I guess. But going to hacker events means I care enough to spend money. Again, money's not the conversation. Teach them something. Go to those events and teach them something. Have your developers stand in front of a classroom for 30 minutes and say, here's how we fi figured this trick out. Here was our thought process. Here were our constraints. Here are our issues. Here are our problems. How do we solve this problem? Here's how we solve this problem. Here's our new problem. Help us solve this problem. You are committed to learning. You are committed to growing. You are committed to getting your geeks up to speed and giving them what they actually want, not the big pile of money, which, by the way, the more they learn, they're going to figure out on their own. They're going to make their own pile of money. But in the end, you're growing them. Finally, there will never be an excessive supply of geeks. We are all going to forever live in a world in which this supply of geeks is always going to be less than the demand. I'm going to say that one more time. We are not, this is not a temporary thing. This land in which we complain about it's really hard to hire a geek is not a temporary situation. This is, this is life now. This is going to be life for the, for the foreseeable future, for a very long time, for my money. So don't pretend you're going to figure it out. Don't pretend it's going to solve itself. Don't pretend that stuff. Gear up for this new world. You can't fight on a money game. Even if you could, you don't want to. Those are not the geeks you want. What you need to fight on is a learning game. That's where you're going to plant your flag. That's where you're going to say, this is who we are. This is what we care about. This is what we care about our staff about. This is what they care about, and this is what we're giving them back. We're teaching them. We're letting them teach. Education is going to be the employer brand recruitment marketing differentiator of the next three to five years, guaranteed. It's all going to be about education. Why do I know that? Well, first off, we're about to meet the generation of kids who didn't think they had to go to college. Literally two geese just flew by my window. That was amazing. Sorry, you didn't need to know that. But this is the generation where kids don't think they have to go to college. It's too expensive. The debt is insane. We're pounding out more kids than we are seats at the good colleges. Look, here's the deal. I went to Texas at Austin 
uh, 23 years ago. No, actually, I I, I enrolled 27 years ago. Oh, my God. 1990, tuition was $700 a semester, okay, for a, for a full load semester, $750 for the semester. Tack on another 500 for fees and stuff, room and board and whatever. College was completely affordable. I did not have good grades. I was in the third quarter of my class. Yeah, uh-huh thought I was smart. Well, I mean, I guess I am, but not, not in high school. Um, I should not have gotten in. I barely eked my way in. Today, one, it's going to cost me 10 times that to go, if not more. Two, there's no way in hell they would let me in. It is cutthroat to get into that school, and it's a massive public school. It's a place where you're supposed to get good, smart, engaged people who don't necessarily have the best grades. This is what they're supposed to go. Now, Texas is effect effectively an elite school. I mean, it's not quite Harvard, but it's certainly an elite school. Now, if I was a high school graduate today, I got to apply down market a little bit. I got to go to Arlington maybe or uh, you know, a smaller school within the system. The crown jewel of Austin is no longer available to me. Maybe my goal is that I got to figure out how to go to a smaller school in the system for two years and transfer in. That's my best strategy. And even then, I'm going to be up to my neck in, in student debt for the rest of my life. Maybe I just don't go. There's a, there's a, this is the audience that says college is not necessarily, doesn't have the ROI for everybody, and that's fine. If you can teach yourself to program, if you can go to General Assembly and uh, uh, Udacity and Udemy and all these other places and learn development languages and become valuable, what the hell do you go to college for? This is a world in which college is no longer developing the people we wanted to develop, especially and initially in the geek field, potentially more down the road, but initially right here. You don't have to go to college to be a great developer. Just ask, I don't know, Zuck? Steve Jobs, Jobs didn't graduate, did he? I can't remember. What well, doesn't matter? He didn't code. He didn't code very well. Um, Bill Gates. Many, many of the greats didn't graduate. They barely went. They barely showed up to class. College is not, is not the place where you're going to develop all the, the coders. You know where you are developing coders? Overseas. Right now, India and a number of other countries are pounding out developers like freaking crazy because they know there's a need across the world. Now, current politics being what they are, they're going to have a hard time moving and getting those jobs, but why not you know, start farming some of that stuff out to India? I know this is happening. <laughs> this is not the future. This is today. Frankly, most of this is yesterday. So we live in a world in which we can't expect the people we hire to walk in with all the skills and education we want them. We have to build them on our own. It's a funny thing because it's a circular kind of model. This is how, quite literally, the modern educational system came about. High school and middle school came about because factories said, we want people who are age 20 who know how to do 18 or whatever to do these things, to follow instructions, to do some basic arithmetic, to these people to read instructions, and there you go. The model of high school and middle school is based on what the factory needed 100 years ago. Now, you read your Seth Godin, you know that's true. Right now, we're living in a world where it's about to happen, where the companies are going to start to build the educational system. Now, there's, trust me, I'm a huge fan of liberal arts education. I think it's incredibly valuable, but I don't know that everybody's going to be able to pay for it. I don't think it necessarily has to be standard de facto learning, and I don't think it will be. I think we're living in a world, or are about to live in a world, where we have to make our own geeks. And by making your own geeks, we'll actually attract other geeks. By saying we're committed to making other geeks, we'll attract good ones. So to me, that's as close as you're going to get to a silver bullet on tech recruiting.
Even if you had a big pile of money, I would suggest you don't use it. I would suggest you apply that into building training programs and building educational systems, building classes. You want to work, you know, geeks want to work at companies that say, we are committed to your education. Here, here's a pile of money dedicated to you to go to conferences or read books or buy the online classes or whatever so you can perpetually be learning. That's what attracts a geek. So long as the sal so like I said, so long as table stakes money is being met, that's what they really want. They want opportunities and challenges to learn. That's what they want. All right, so I've kind of gone on. Oh, that's not too bad. Not too long this time. Hope you enjoy this. As per usual, I am James Ellis. Yes, that's right. You want to find me on Twitter, at The War for Talent. I'm always happy to talk. Otherwise, the website is thetalentcast.com. I just redesigned it. You should not care. <laughs> I could do an hour on companies who think a redesigned website or redesigned packaging is, val is worthy of a press release. Oh, my God. Fooling themselves. Um, but you can find me on the website if you want to complain. Otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn and all those other good places. If you enjoyed this, as I said, this is a completely 1,000% pitch-free environment. I did not get paid by AeroPress Coffee and, and, and uh, I don't know, whoever else I talked about uh, to talk about them. I do it because this is what I do. This is, if you can believe it, this is what I do. Um, if you like this, if you enjoy this, one, share it, please. We have had an amazing month in terms of traffic and, and readership. I'm stunned. Thank you so much for sharing. Keep it up. Second, review us. iTunes, Google Play, all those places. Just click a button and put some stars in. Maybe even write something nice. That would be super sweet. I'm not asking for the moon, I hope. Uh, so that's really all we want. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it, and I'll probably talk to you next week. Bye.